Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. After a long troubled life filled with childhood trauma and physical abuse, Grace D'Angeli attempted suicide at the age of 21. At age 47, she was diagnosed with breast cancer while watching their family business fall apart. Today, Grace has overcome adversity to discover her true calling, helping people who might be suffering as she once did. Grace, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Thank you. Me too. So first of all, tell everyone where you live because they can hear the accent. (laughs) Okay. So if you haven't guessed already, I'm in Melbourne, Australia. (laughs) How long ago was your cancer story and how did it all begin? Sure. So, uh, my mother uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2010 and, uh, she, that was a secondary cancer. She ended up having uh, uterine cancer first. Uh, and what happened was the moment mum got diagnosed with breast cancer, she became the fourth member of her family, which then put us in a bracket where we should get checked for BRCA and everything else. So we were put on a high risk, uh, which every year we go and we get checked. And I was going through my routine checks from 2013 when mum passed away, um, with cancer. And so I just kept going and normally I get that. Yep. All good to go. You can go, you know, I'll see you in 12 months. And in 2018, I'm literally two days away from catching up with my husband in Peru. And I thought that's really strange that they didn't call me back with the, oh, all is good. And she said, the doctor's been trying to call you. We haven't been able to reach you. Wasn't sure why. And she said, we found something. We found something on the left breast and we need to do a biopsy. And I was like, well, I'm about to fly out. And she said, that's all good. When you get back, we'll do it. So I went on a nice trip around Peru with my husband. And when I got back, I got, um, I, I did the biopsy and that's the moment where they said, you've got breast cancer. So that's where it started. So, uh, it was, uh, August or September. Did you have any symptoms? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. The other thing, which is something that I, I really push for is because I, I had my mammogram, my ultrasound and an MRI with a dye and it was the MRI that picked it up. So had it not picked it up, it would have been 12 months later, probably would have grown a bit more. I was diagnosed with stage one, uh, breast cancer. So I was, that's why routine checks are important if you're at an age. I mean, I know I was 47, which is under normally, I'm not sure if in the US it does the same, but what we normally do is by the age of 50, they'll tell you to go and do annual breast cancer checks. But it, because I was in a stage uh, where my I then became the fifth member of our family, um, that's when I, it was 47 years old. So, and I'm so glad that I was doing my routine yearly checks. And and I have my mum to thank for that because she pushed so much to have that checked. So you mentioned your mom, Grace, Mm -hmm. and and I'm so sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm. 
but you also mentioned genetic testing. So did you get genetic testing and did any siblings or cousins also get testing done? Yes, we did. My mother was the first to push for the genetic test and, and it was, it came back that we weren't in the BRCA. Um, but having said that, with the genetics test, uh, something that we need to understand is the more technology and science is evolving, the more they have genes that they can check. So something that they would have checked, say, 15, 20 genes, they now check more and more and more. So the moment I got diagnosed, the first thing I did is I went and got a genetics test done because I have three sisters. Um, so I wanted to make sure that not just my sisters, I have a lot of female um, cousins, you know, first cousins and things like that. So I wanted to do that for them as well. And also I have nephews who could carry the gene for their daughters. Yeah. Um, and I was also told that it isn't in the BRCA. So that was good news. I believe it just happened to be random five people in my family. Cause like I said, we come from a very large Italian family. Uh, so you can imagine we have over 50, you know, nieces and nephews and things like that, or cousins. So at the time it was like basically saying one in eight women will get diagnosed. So, yeah. Do you think it's a, a gene? It might not be the BRCA gene, but it's just a gene, as you said, that they haven't actually named or identified yet, because that's still a lot of people in one family. Absolutely. And the reason I believe that is because it was my mother's mother. It was my mother's sister, it was my mother, and it was another sister's daughter. So one skipped the mother and went to the daughter, but one did mother, grandmother, my, my grandmother, her daughter, right. and her daughter. So that's three yeah. generations. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have any daughters? No, I have no children. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Okay. So stage one is early. Mm -hmm. What were your treatment options? What choices did you have and what did you decide to do? Sure. So when I say this part, I always say disclaimer because this is my story. So I will never tell someone what to do or what not to do. So because mine was stage one, I did the right protocol. Uh, I was diagnosed in August, late August, early September. But what I decided to do is I decided to take the natural route because it was so small. Um, so I went and did some plant medicine work in Peru to cleanse. And I think we'll talk about it later. I was carrying a lot of trauma, things like that in my life. So I wanted to get myself healed from the inside out, if that makes sense. The, the mind, the yes. spirit, the heart. So I did that and I come back, it's still there. Um, and I went and did Ayurveda, which is an ancient uh, Indian cleansing. And from there, I come back and they're like, it's still there. And then about December, <laughs> I decided to get a, limp a yeah, lymphectomy and they took out, they removed two lymph nodes just to make sure that the cancer hadn't spread. So by the time this came around and I had op got operated, my doctor couldn't find the cancer but she still did a 10 centimeter auxiliary clearance around the area. She did ask me to go and see a radiologist or radiotherapist and, and an oncologist, which I did that because even though I chose the route I went on, I still want my doctor to work with me, not against me. I still need Western medicine. Smart. We did all the PET scans. We did all the blood test scans and 
as much as natural ways of healing yourself is great, it doesn't give you the blood tests and other exams. Um, so I went and saw my radiologist and we went through the pros and cons. And for my case, I asked a lot of questions, which I say all the time, ask a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. The cons were higher than the pros. Like what I mean by that is I had a higher chance of getting a secondary cancer, having a heart problem because it was close to the heart because it's the left side, things like that. So I decided like you had done radiation. Correct. Correct. So I decided I won't do it. So I went and saw the oncologist and I did the same thing. I asked the pros and cons. Now, a lot of thing is a lot of people think, well, let's just fix it now. Let's fix it now. But I was looking at long-term and the way she was saying it, I had a higher chance in five years of getting a secondary cancer than I was of dying of cancer of breast cancer. So I thought, well, I'm going to take my chances because one of the medications, I mean, I didn't have to do the intravene chemo, which was, you know, I was, thank goodness. But one of them was tamoxifen. Now, tamoxifen is what caused my mother to get secondary cancer. So that was one thing that I was very, very strong about not taking. However, my oncologist didn't have another medication, another chemo that she could have recommended. The only thing she could recommend, I was 47, I still go through my period, I still go through my menstrual cycle. And she was saying to me to go into early uh, menopause and have a, a hysterectomy done. And I'm thinking, well, that what does that cause? And she said, well, because you're on hormone medication, that could cause heart problems. So again, I was weighing up the pros and cons. And in my case, the cons were too high for me to risk. So I decided let's, let's take one year at a time and, and, and move forward from there. And I've just had my, just to be clear, sure, no radiation, no radiation and no chemotherapy, and no chemotherapy, no. not even tamoxifen, not, not no, even tamoxifen, no hormone. No, was, no. Was, was your breast cancer even estrogen positive? It is estrogen positive. positive. Yes. Yes. It yes. Is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's why she was recommending the tamoxifen. Correct. Correct. Because I hadn't hit menopause. Whereas now <clears throat> my body's going through that menopausal stage. I call it Mary. Oh, it's so much fun. It's perimenopause. So, <laughs> so I thought, <laughs> don't touch. Yeah. <laughs> I get great days. <laughs> um, so I just think don't touch something that isn't broken. That's my motto in my own life. Don't touch anything that's not broken. Um, so I just thought, let's just, just, let's just go every year. And I've just had my last, uh, exam in August this year and everything was well. Having said that, everything is well. So I'm not in, I'm not worried, but they found a small growth on my right side because I am a uh, breast cancer survivor. They just want to make sure. So I, next week, this time I'll be, um, I'll have my results because uh, I'll just have okay. to do an ultrasound. So yeah. So, but that's what it means about getting on top of your exams. Just don't push yeah. them away. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting though, uh, that you had a, uh, not just the, the mammogram, but the ultrasound and then the um, MRI correct. Would die, correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Because here, here in the U S if you're seen at a higher risk, I think it's the recommendation is still 40 to get a mammogram, but mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't do anything else unless they see something correct. in the mammogram. 
Now, I my maternal aunt died from breast cancer, so it was recommended. I got my first mammogram, I think at 35, but mm-hmm. then didn't have one for five more years. You know, but I just don't think here in the U.S., usually those other tests aren't done unless they think there's something in the mammogram. So I, I really in, find it fascinating that, you know, it was really, it was the MRI that picked it up. Yes. And, and that's where I, uh, we do the same here in Australia because my mother's surgeon was making sure that none of her daughters were positive to cancer or, you know, be diagnosed. She requested the, uh, MRI. Oh, that's amazing. So MRIs, they will give it to you for free until you hit the age of 50. Now, my last exam that I had done was a mammogram and just an ultrasound. So it has put my back up a little bit um, because I asked- Why is that that they stop at age 50? Because most women get diagnosed at a later stage, a later age. So it's a higher chance of having breast cancer when you're older. So therefore it costs the hospital to- too much money to do MRIs all the time. So that's, that's I guess, my pet hate at the moment um, because even though I am a breast cancer survivor, I really would push for an, uh, a, you know, still an MRI. Whereas the last yeah. one, when I asked her, it's, she said, oh, it's because, I said, is it because I've, I've, I reached 50? And she said, yes. And I asked my local GP just about three weeks ago. Um, I, cause he said, look, you're due for a, a checkup in three months. And I said, yes. I said, she's not giving me an MRI. And he said, well, I'm sure she knows what she's doing, which I do think, I believe she knows what she's doing, but because the MRI picked it up for me, it makes me li- fit, sit a little bit unsteady, if that makes sense. Because yeah, I just feel, well, what if you don't pick it up on the mammogram and the ultrasound until another 12 months or 24 months. So that's my only, oh, you know, yeah. Hmm. It's a little, it's a little ass backwards. Correct. <laughs> I mean, it is. If Anyway. Oh God. Yes. Well, yes. The, the, um, the politics of healthcare. Yes. Are, yeah. <laughs> I can't fix yeah. all that. Um, let me ask you about something sure. that I'm really intrigued by because you did these other sort of, alternative therapies first. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if it's alternative, you know, it's, it seems more integrative to me because you still did traditional correct you know, things as well. Mm-hmm. So, but talk us to us about Peru. Did you do ayahuasca? What did you do there? Um, first of all, the moment you said that it, it just, it just opens my heart. Let me just say that. Um, because a lot of people look at this whole thing as, oh, you know, this is hocus pocus, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was fortunate enough that my, our maestro in Peru, he actually didn't give me ayahuasca. He actually gave me, uh, what he called the seven doctors. And the reason they call it the seven doctors is because it's made up of seven different medicines. Now, what I did was I, yeah, so that's seven different plants that they put into yeah. this brew. So my husband, the moment we came back from Peru and we got told after the biopsy, my husband was on a call because I literally 
left uh, back into Peru eight days after I arrived from Peru. I went back straight away and we started this cleansing. And what it was is I was, I was, um, I was on a strict diet, like a dieta, like a really cl cleansed dieta. And our maestro, I would drink the medicine twice a day in the morning and at night. And his wife would administer the same medicine uh, on the outside of my breast. So fun stuff because you weren't allowed to wash it off. So you're in Peru, it's very hot and you're trying to have a shower <laughs> and you, you're not allowed to wear a breast. It's, it was really, yeah, hard to do. But not only did he do that, he did a lot of different things. Um, he did a lot, like one was called a, uh, I'm not going to say it right, but it's basically sucking out the energy. Um, and he was blowing medicine, uh, mapacho over me. So he was basically cleansing the energy around me and within me. Now, if I could just go back just one second before, when I met him in my holiday, he said to me, I need to work on your wife because it looks like she's being cursed. Something's going on. And we didn't want to tell him that, you know, something was happening because we weren't sure ourselves. It could have been a fatty tissue for all we know. Right. Um, exactly. So that's why we didn't want to do that. So we thought, okay, we didn't say anything, but the moment we rang and we went back, that's when he said like, okay, let's work on her. So that's what he did. So that's what I was doing. Now, a lot of people think uh, you're there to just purge and things like that. It wasn't just the purge. It was basically, uh, it was a purge of healing, if that makes sense. It made me go within and see what caused in my case, like I always say to people, was I surprised I had breast cancer? Absolutely. Was I surprised I had breast cancer? No, because I was carrying so much hurt, trauma, so much anger, resentment, you name it, all the bad stuff. I was carrying that in my soul. We had lost our business. You can imagine it was come, you know, things like that. So I was, I was holding a lot of, uh, pain, a lot of pain. So doing that, and I did that for two weeks straight. Um, yeah, it helped me really cleanse, you know, myself from the inside out. So this, this brew that he made was specially for what I was going through. So it's not just a matter of drinking ayahuasca and things, although he is an ayahuasquero, um, between him, his wife and his son, there's more than 140 years of experience, but he's also someone who can do other sorts of, um, healing depending on what the person's going through. So that's what I did in Peru, which was amazing because I felt so much lighter coming home so much lighter. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, it sounds better than ayahuasca, which I've never done. <laughs> yeah. But every person I know who's done ayahuasca, I kid you not, even if the outcome ultimately was good, yes, the experience of going through it, I don't, I'll put it to you this way. I don't know anyone who's done ayahuasca twice. Oh, wow. Ever. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're like, I'm not doing that again. That was yeah. horrible. Yeah. Just because of the how physically ill most people mm, mm, get from it, yeah. you know, even, even if it helps them purge their trauma and brings up a lot of suppressed memories. Absolutely. Just, yeah, just the, the actual going through it was so terrible. So, mm. and then you mentioned Ayurveda mm -hmm. and 
I'm a, I call myself a, like a sort of yogi, but I am a 500 hour trained yoga teacher who doesn't teach. Um, I just do yoga for myself. And so I know a lot about Ayurveda mm-hmm. and, um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's food as medicine, right? Absolutely. And on a, on a very basic level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you did Ayurveda, did you actually go to India? Did I hear that correctly? Or did you do something else? No, I actually went to Bali. Ubud in Bali was whole, they, they have uh, Indian doctors there. It was a beautiful retreat um, out there. And I had done it for 14 days. Even though they suggested me doing it for 21 days, I didn't have 21 days because I was in an uncertain position as well. So I wasn't sure if this cancer was growing in the meantime. So I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't taking advantage of the time that I was allowing myself and and asking my doctors to give me at the same time because they were jumping up and down, as you can imagine, because I kept saying, wait, wait, wait. Um, so yeah, so I did 14 days in Ubud. So again, it was, it was definitely, um, Indian doctors. And, uh, so that was really good because it, again, I, when I tell people I purged in India, oh, sorry, I say India as well. Now I purged in Bali, in Ayurveda. I purged a lot of pain. I, I was crying so much. I was journaling. I, I, even in Peru, I would, I would purge physically. I would cry. I would have a lot of physical pain in my body and I would journal. (laughs) So this is all part of the process. When I say to people, you know, when we say purging, purging is done in so many different ways. It's crying, it's laughing, it's sweating, it's journaling, it's whatever you feel is necessary for you to help take all of that out of you. Um, So that's what I did. And that was you know, that was profound as well, because the two, the two things, or the one thing that was profound about the Ayurveda is because I'll never forget the doctor saying to me, Grace, it's either gone or it's shrunk. And I'm thinking, how would you know? You haven't done an exam. I thought you did an MRI or an ultrasound. (laughs) So Grace, I want to ask you with the Ayurveda, did you go into learning about your dosha, your primary dosha and what that means. Okay. So I did at the time, I knew it inside out, up by half, and now I don't, but I, I'm very, um, I'm, I'm very pitta. Yes. So what he was trying to do is balance me from pitta to the middle one. I don't know what the middle one was called, but he was trying to balance me through there. And to be honest, when I first got there, I was very high pitta, but by the time I left, and that's when he told me, you know, either you've, you're, you're, it's shrunk or you don't have it anymore because through my pulse, he could tell that I had changed, even though a lot of women, it was crazy because when I say a lot of women, a lot of people actually dropped their weight and my weight didn't go down so much. And I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, oh no, I did all this wrong. You know, what else could you do right? They feed you, they make you do yoga. I'm thinking, I've done it wrong. And he said, no, 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 no. It's just that you were holding more fluid than others. And he said, and that's okay, but I could tell by your pulse you're going to be okay. And I remember thinking, and the same thing happened with my maestro in Peru. They both actually said the same thing. You, there's nothing there. And every time I was doing an ultrasound, I'm like, but it's there. And I was saying, 
no, 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 the shell's there, the outside's there, the sickness is gone. So as I said, I can't rely as much as I would, you know, give them my life because I trust them so much. I had to make sure I was, you know, Western medicine was picking up what they were saying. Because I don't want to go, no, yeah, it's all gone and, and it grows even bigger and faster and nastier. So, but yeah, the Ayurveda did that. So I learned that as well. I learned a lot of things about myself. Um, that is when a lot of like, you know, we'll talk like about it later, Tell I guess, is the aha moments aha. came out. Those, wow. One of the aha moments is I need to be, I need to love myself so much. I need to love me so much that now I'm at a point in my life where I can say, I look at myself in the mirror and I say, Grace, I love you so, so much. And I've got your back and nothing's going to happen to you. I've got your back and I love you so much. And when you can tell yourself that internal love, that unconditional love, that was one of the biggest things. Another thing was I realized that I thought as much as I love, adore, respect my husband, I thought life without him, how am I going to live? Whereas I learned to exhale and I said, oh, I know how to do this and I want you to want me. And I know when I, when I used to say to him, I don't need you, he would go, oh, you go around telling everyone you don't need me. But it wasn't in a nasty way. It's meaning... I'm strong within and I need right. you to want me though. There was a different need. It wasn't the need of, oh my goodness, if you leave me, what am I going to do? Because I grew up in that environment. I grew up in a, in a very abusive environment where I thought these were the only people that loved me. This was love. This what, what was love. Love was being abused. What was, you know, beaten to the age of 29. So I, I grew up thinking, oh, I have to rely on these. I have to be a people right, pleaser. I know. I always stood up for myself. I wasn't a people pleaser. I, I was, I felt very confident in my professional life, but in my personal mm. life, oh my gosh, such a people pleaser and as strong of a personality as most people think I have in my personal life when I was younger. I was, I was just a people pleaser and I didn't stand up for myself. And there were so many times where I just didn't say anything and, and just kind of shut down. And I, I kind of joke mm. now that if I had stood up for myself and my marriage, it would have lasted a year tops <laughs> and we were married for nine. So. <laughs> yeah. so Grace, let me ask you, what was your your worst moment in all of it? Um, okay. So the worst moment was when I, I was, I, okay. So I started living my life at the age of 30 and uh, this probably made me cry, but I realized I was 47. And for me, it was like, I've only lived 17 years. How can, how can I be sick? Why, why me? Why me? I got to only live 17 years. That was the hardest part because that's what I kept seeing because I was in such a 
traumatized relationship with my parents as much as I love them to this day I adore them I respect them I I've forgiven them uh, they're both deceased now I've lost both but you know at the same time as much as all that was going on I was like hang on I only got to live 17 years why is this happening to me not when I say this is happening to me, why is this happening? What lesson am I learning? It's not why did this happen to me, the cancer, because I would never have given it to anyone else. But that was the hardest moment, um, wow. believing that I only lived 17 years of my life and then I was going to possibly die. On the flip side, what was your best moment? Knowing that... <laughs> I've got this. This was like an old handbag that I was carrying around under my armpit. Um, and I knew, I knew that even when I got told, I was like, yeah, nah, I'm not sick. You know, I, I didn't feel it. I didn't allow cancer to define me. So that was my biggest moment. I will never allow cancer. And I, if I have to die, oh, I'm going to die beautiful. standing. So, What's yeah. one thing you wish you had known at the beginning? I mean, you had the family history, right? Oh, that's a good question. I had the family history, but the thing is, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's hard to answer that because, believe it or not, it's not that I was naive about the whole thing, you know, that I was, oh, well, mom had it. I'm not going to get it. But I didn't think because we kept telling it's not in the family genetic, it's, it's on, you know, you most likely you can't get it. I wasn't thinking much of it. If that makes sense. I was just doing my routine checks. Oh, well, I got to do this thing again, you know, get my breasts squished and squashed and all of that. Let's, you know. And if you could only do one thing to change healthcare in Australia, what would it be and why? You've thought about this. I know you have. <laughs> Okay. So my, I thought about this because this is one thing I thought from day one, and this is the whole MRI situation. Um, I want to be able to raise enough money, um, I, you know, to put a charity together. I haven't started it. I'm trying to get a group of beautiful women who have gone through cancer where we create a charity where the funds go to women who want to have an MRI and don't have to pay 800 to 1200 Australian dollars out of pocket for it. Um, so that's my, that's one thing I wish they would change because, um, yeah, I believe that, as I said, because I got caught with an MRI, how many people could have been detected earlier with an MRI um, and not when they got to stage four or stage three. All right, Grace, you ready for the Thriver rapid fire? <clears throat> I'll try my best. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize in advance. Oh, please, please, just have fun. <laughs> Beach, desert, or mountains? Beach, definitely. Beach boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Uh, probably the Rolling Stones. I can totally see that with you. I can. I can. <laughs> what is one word that best describes you? Authentic. Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Probably Tainted Love. That's been my all-time favorite. Oh, my favorite. gosh. <laughs> 
soft sell, one hit wonder. <laughs> soft sell. Yes. Soft sell. That's I think right. It was yeah. like one of the, I'm an eighties chick. Yeah, me too. I think it was voted like one of the number one, uh, uh, what do they call it? what the one of the number one one hit wonders of all time? I think it was number there you two go. It's or the one. Best. Yeah, I, I, he doesn't know. Love that. Love song. it. Um, <laughs> what about the last meal you want to eat? Oh, that's a. You know what? My husband always makes fun of me, and he says you just love bread rolls, like sandwiches. So it'll probably be a sandwich. I could, I could live off sandwiches. <laughs> so yeah. Okay, who doesn't like bread? <laughs> I know how crazy. Who doesn't like bread? Sorry? Who doesn't like bread? (laughs) I'm Italian. I love bread. What about the last person or people you want to see? My husband. And what's his name? Yeah. Rodolfo. Oh, gosh. It's even a sexy name. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say nice, but like, no, it's sexy. It's very sexy. (laughs) All right. What about the last word you will speak? Oh, I love you. I love you. I love life. I love this life. Thank you. Yeah. Gratitude. Lots of gratitude. Yeah. And aside from Cancer You, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And I also want you to tell people how they can get in touch with you. So the th- I always believe that I've always believed that cancer is caused by a dis-ease in the body. Um, So I would highly recommend you go and see someone, um, you know, and have a talk about some traumas that you might be holding. I always say, don't wait, don't wait to get the the bat like I did. Um, Go and speak to someone, speak to a life, my husband's a life coach and he helps a lot of people who suffer with anxiety or traumas um, or depression because depression is obviously from your past, anxiety is from the future, but there's a lot of trauma involved. So my husband helps a lot of people uh, go through that and, and see the essence and whether it was really there because we create it. Um, So I think healing yourself like that, I would highly recommend if you're going to do any plant medicine, please do not do it anywhere else but Peru with a qualified um, maestro, a very qualified maestro. So that's also another healing way of cleansing, cleansing the mind, the soul, the heart. I believe that. Um, I just literally, just yesterday, it arrived in the mail. I created my own... Oh, there it is. I created my own um, journal, Breast Cancer, and these are now available on Amazon. And what it is, it's it's a mixture of basically, you know, writing, it's, you know, things, uh, quotes, prompts, I love it, uh, little, um, uh, what do you call it, mandalas, journals, daily journals planners and it's got also a bit of information plus it also has the questions you should ask your doctor it's got 11 questions you should ask your doctor and you could write in it so I wanted to make something because I remember when I was going through it I had a diary I had a planner I had a journal you know I had all these and I had a coloring book to help me relax and I was carrying a backpack <laughs> full of these. So I thought, yeah. Put it one place. So I put it all in the one. Exactly. So this is um, Breast Cancer Heroes Journey Journal. And as I said, you can get it on Amazon. Would you send me the link so I can put that in the show notes? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can also have the um, ebook as well. 
because a lot of people like to have it on their iPads. Um, so you can download it as a PDF and you can actually fill it out on your iPad okay. with your pen fancy. So you can always get me um, at grace at gracedeangeli.com if you need to email me or you can find me at theangelsofgrace.me, M-E. And uh, I'm, I'm here for anyone who has questions. I've also got my own podcast, which is Breast Cancer Hero's Journey, um, where I also interview a lot of people because not everyone resonates with my journey. So I wanted to make sure that there were other women on there, um, some amazing stories. I've also had my own surgeon come and speak. And um, I, I, you could catch me there as well. So, or follow me at at uh, the Angels of Grace on Instagram or at Grace DeAngeli at Instagram or Facebook. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So we will put links to yeah. all that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Grace, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you. I had, it was a pleasure. Really was. So uh, I love speaking to my fellow Americans because I, I find so much in common with uh, the women that I speak to because a lot of women um, that I've interviewed on my own podcast are from the US as well. This is something that's international. It's unfortunate. It's international and it's hitting home. I remember probably 20, 30, 50 years ago, it was one in every whoever. It was someone you never knew. Um, nowadays, if you ask men as well as women, they know someone who's been touched with breast cancer. Um, I always say, I guess I, the one thing I want to leave with is never ever make a decision on your breast cancer journey based on fear. Never. Don't ever fear it. Don't ever let it define you and always move forward. No matter where you've been diagnosed, don't give up. I know it sounds like a cliche, don't give up. You just don't know what's around the corner. No one knows when our contract ex expire. So, and thank you for having me, Andrea. Oh, I loved it. Thank you're you. You're great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.